listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Hey, if you have your Bible, will you turn to the book of Philippians? You can turn to chapter 3. While you're turning there, I just want to say, um, man, if you, I know there's probably lots of folks, you're here, here this morning, and as we're singing that song, uh, if you're not a Christian and you're hearing us sing that song, it probably seems a little bit crazy of, wait, even in suffering, I'm going to be able to say that God is good. What's up with that? The reality is, until you know the love and the grace of Jesus that overcomes any obstacle or difficulty you can face in life, it's hard to be able to say God, you're so good. It's, man, it's our prayer as a church that whether it be this morning or just sometime soon that uh, God will draw you to himself and that you'll see his goodness and his love and his faithfulness that he, he wants to offer to you and wants to have a relationship with you so you can experience his goodness. Do we believe that, church? Amen. Awesome. Hey, I think I've told some of y'all, you may remember, um, I had a friend in college who uh, I remember very vividly, I think the second year of college, he wasn't like crazy overweight by any means, but he had decided that he needed to, to lose some weight to get into shape. And so he was going to start a diet. Some of y'all know my friend Robbie. And so that's who I'm talking about here. And he, uh, I remember he would be building up towards Friday and he would say, man, Friday is the day I'm starting my diet. Like Friday is the day I'm getting serious about my health. Well, then I would, I remember this one specific week I went in to the cafeteria on that Friday expecting to see Robbie eating like a salad or some grilled chicken or something. And I walk in and Robbie has got like a burger and fries and chocolate milk. And I'm like, Robbie, what, what, I thought today was the day. And he's like, you know, Brandon, I got to thinking, you can't start a diet on a Friday, bro. Like Friday's the worst day to start a diet. And so I said, well, what are you going to do? He said, man, I've been thinking, I think Monday is the best day. I got, a lo- I got a long ways to go, but Monday is going to be a good day for a diet. So sure enough, weekend goes by. Uh, he eats whatever he wants all weekend long because he says, Monday is the day. I'm going to get in what I can because Monday is the day. So Monday, I go into the cafeteria expecting the same thing. Robbie's going to be eating maybe a, a grilled chicken sandwich or a salad or maybe some soup or something. And I walk in and Robbie's got like fried chicken tenders and some fries and some cookies. And I'm like, Robbie, what? I thought today was the day. And he said, you know, I got to thinking, Monday's the worst day to start a diet. Like you just can't do it on a Monday. And it was this endless cycle. And I think like five years later, he really did start the diet. Um, but what was funny is because he felt like he had such a long ways to go in like in getting healthy, he just decided not to do anything. <laughs> uh, and after the holidays, a lot of us can maybe resonate with that. When you, and it's not just in dieting, but when you realize you have a long ways to go in something, it can be overwhelming. It can be daunting. Like, man, how am I ever going to really get going that direction? What am I going to do to really get that started, to get where I should be? Well, the question I want us to look at this morning is, what should you do when you realize that your relationship with Christ is not where it should be? When you realize that you have a long way to go in, in knowing Jesus and in, in being more like him, what do you do? I don't know. It, it can be like daunting. It can be overwhelming. And even, I feel like me, I can even sometimes kind of live in guilt of, man, I know this, this is where I should be in my walk with Christ and, and overcoming sin or whatever it may be. But really, I feel like <laughs> I'm back here. 
And I appreciate David having us think through um, the decade and what God's done and where we've been and where we're going. And it can be encouraging, but it can also be a little bit like humbling or maybe humiliating <laughs> of you look back at the decade and see some areas you've grown, but see, man, I have, I have so much further to go. So the question is, what do you do <laughs> when your relationship is lacking with Christ? So just as a quick clarification here, we're, just, we're talking about from the perspective of a Christian, someone who knows Jesus. If you don't know uh, Christ, the first step is coming to a relationship with him. But as a Christian, what do you do when your relationship isn't where it should be? Well, what's cool, we're going to see, I'm not sure why I'm in the book of John. <laughs> I told you Philippians, right? Good, making sure, okay. <laughs> Maybe God has something else in store. Just kidding. Hey, by the way, uh, next Sunday, um, Pastor David and I, we're going to still be doing different sermons, but we're going to be syncing up and doing the same passage every week. And so I'm excited about that. We'll, as a whole church, uh, be in the same book, same passage each week, just obviously a little bit different sermon. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So in Philippians 3, what's cool about this passage, before we even dig in, is the Apostle Paul, who wrote so much of the New Testament, who was a huge part, a huge piece that God used to build the, the Christian church, he, in this passage, is going to tell us what he did when he realized his relationship with Christ was lacking. Which we could stop there for a second. Like, let that sink in. The Apostle Paul is going to tell us what he did when he realized, man, my relationship with Christ is not quite where it should be. We should already be encouraged from that. Think about that. Paul experienced some of the same feelings you experienced of realizing, man, I'm not where I should be. I don't love Jesus like I should be. Man, you're in good company this morning if you ever feel that way. Y'all feel that way? I feel that way sometimes. I'm not where I should be. You're in good company because Paul felt that as well. Now, we're going to be jumping into verse 12, but to give us some context, we've got to look up kind of earlier uh, in chapter 3 of Philippians. And um, verses 1 through 11, hopefully they're a little familiar to you because earlier, I think it was back in September, um, Richard Cruz preached here in the venue, and he, his main text was this passage, 3 uh, 1 through 11. So hopefully it's a little bit familiar to you. But in this passage uh, of Philippians 3, Paul begins by, by saying, Man, if anybody ever had a right to brag or like put their faith, their trust in their own goodness and their own morality, Paul says, man, it was me. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. Like I, I, to, in, in, uh, in reference to the law, I was perfect. He says, man, I, I was in a sense perfect. He knows he wasn't really perfect, but he says, I was following all the rules. I was doing everything right. But then in verse uh, 7, he says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. So Paul says, All that I had done and worked up for my own righteousness, I realized through the gospel that that doesn't make me right. It doesn't make me have a relationship with God. So he says, I count all that as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. So I can have the righteousness of God. So I can be in a right relationship with God. Verse 8, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So he says, I, I want to give up everything. I have given up everything to know the surpassing worth of Christ. So he says, 
Everything else on this earth, it may provide a little bit of satisfaction for a little bit, or it may fill my belly, but nothing is as satisfying, is as fulfilling as knowing Jesus. He says, I, I want to know Jesus. I want to experience him. I'm going to keep reading just to get the full context. He says, uh, kind of halfway through verse 8, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Time out again for a second. Again, this is the idea of the gospel that I can't be good enough to have a relationship with Christ. And God knows that. He never, like, he doesn't expect me to be good enough. So what I can do is place my faith in Jesus who is good enough for me. And then I can have a relationship with God. To finish that out, verse 10, he says, I've done all this. I've abandoned all my righteousness, verse 10, so that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So he says, I want to know him. And, and notice here the idea, to know Jesus is to be like Jesus. So if someone says, oh, I know Christ, I, I know him really well, but they don't act like him at all, something's missing, right? Something's missing. So he says, I want to know Jesus. I want to be like Jesus, Maybe to put it in our terms, you might say, man, I want to have a strong relationship with Christ. I want to grow my relationship with Christ. So that's the context of what Paul's been saying. Now, look at verse 12. I love this. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Paul says, man, I want to know Christ. I want to be like him. Like if, if here's the lion over here, I, I want to get to this point, but I'm not there. <laughs> I, I haven't obtained it. I, I, I'm not perfect. I, I don't know him like I want to. So what do you do? Look the, halfway through 12. I'll read it again. Not that I have already obtained this, I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So he says, I'm not there yet, but dadgummit, one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to press on. I'm going to push to know Christ Jesus. I'm going I'm to put effort in to knowing him, to being like him. Dallas Willard said, uh, grace is not opposed to effort. It's only opposed to earning. So Paul's not talking here about, I want to earn a righteousness. I want to earn God's love. He says, no, God already loves me. And because of that, I want to press on to knowing him, to loving him. I love what he says where he says, um, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So he said, the reason, what compels me to want to pursue Christ, to want to know him, to be like him, as he's grabbed a hold of me. So he's saying, Jesus has grabbed a hold of me and changed my life, so now I want to grab hold of him. Man, think about that for a second. If you're a Christian, the creator of the universe who stretched out the heavens the same one that stretched out his arms on the cross to offer you salvation and love. If you know Christ, he's made you his own. It means that he's picked you up and said, yeah, yeah, Lauren, she's with me. She's mine. 
What a cool thing for the creator of the universe to make you his own. We know from the New Testament that, or even from the book of Psalms, that, uh, I can't watch, well, several places, several places through the book of Psalms, it says that he withholds no good thing from us. So as his children, he wants to bless us. He wants to give us good things because he's a good, a good God. The Gospels teach us that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Galatians teaches us that if we have a relationship with Christ, we're no longer slaves to our sin and to ourself or even to the law. We're slaves to God. We've been set free. Ephesians teaches us that if we know Christ, if he's made us his own, we've been brought from death to life. First Peter teaches that if we know Christ, if he's made us his own, that we're no longer slaves to the darkness, but we're children of light. <laughs> so Paul says, man, because of what he's done for me, because he's grabbed a hold of me, I don't want to just be flipping about that. Oh, thanks, God. I'll see you in heaven. Peace. No. <laughs> because God has saved me. Thank you, Natalie. <laughs> because God has saved me, because he's rescued me, I want to pursue him. He's pursued me, so I'm going to pursue back. I always, when I think about this passage, when I've uh, taught this passage with the college group, I always think of... Um, Michelangelo's painting of uh, creation, where God is reaching out from the heavens. He's reaching out to touch Adam's finger, and Adam is, is leaned back with his little finger up like this, right? And that's such an uh, honest but kind of ridiculous portrayal of our relationship with God, that God has reached down to us, and Paul says, I don't want to be, I'm metaphorically speaking here, Paul says, I don't want to be like Adam leaned back with my hand kind of up reaching for God. No, God has reached and pursued me, so I want to pursue him. I want to know him. Are you tracking with me? Check this out, verse 13. He again says it. Brothers, I don't consider that I've made it my own. So again, he repeats, I'm not there yet. I don't know him like I want to. I don't know him like I should. But one thing I do Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He says, I'm not there yet, but one thing I am going to do, I'm going to pursue Christ. Listen to this. You can't control where you're at right now. You can't change that, but you can control where you're going to be. You can't change where you're at, but you can change where you're going to be. Paul says, I'm not there, but by golly, I'm going to pursue Christ. And it's not, when he says, I'm going to press on straining forward, it's this picture, probably familiar with this idea with this passage, it's this picture of a runner straining forward, forward, not looking back to see who's close, but straining forward towards the finish line with everything they have, pushing, pressing on, not thinking about what's behind, whether it be good or bad, but pressing on to know Christ more. He says, I'm pressing on towards what? The goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I think that sounds kind of wordy. If I could sum it up, it's two simple things. One, he says, I'm pressing on. I'm pushing ahead to know Christ more, knowing that the goal is to know him and ultimately to spend eternity with, he, with him in heaven. That's what I'm pressing on towards. That's the goal, to know him, to, to be with him in heaven one day. And the second thing he's saying in that verse is the upward call of God. This means that the call, the motivation, what enables me to pursue him, to know him more, is God calling. What a cool picture. 
It's not that God's over here and we're over there and God's like, I don't know why you're even trying. You're never going to know me. You're never going to be like me. I don't want to spend time with you. <laughs> no, it's that he's over here and he's going, come on. Come on, I, I want you to know me. I want you to have a relationship with me. I want you to be like me. It's the upward call of God. So he's calling us to himself. Come on, you can do it. How cool is that? The creator of the universe is beckoning you, even as a Christian, for a deeper, more fruitful relationship with him. That's awesome. <laughs> and he's not like, Brandon, you've fallen so many times. You're such a failure. Why are you even getting up again? Just stay over there. No, he's saying, hey, come on. I'm going to help you get up. Keep coming. I want you to know me more. I want you to come with me. Keep digging. Keep pushing. Keep pressing. Now, how amazing is that? He's calling us towards him to press on. Verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So a sign of Christian maturity is to realize you haven't arrived yet. So actually a scarier place to be this morning than like, man, not where I should be. A scarier place to be is like, uh, whoop, killed that decade, dominated, right? <laughs> man, I, my relationship with Christ is just perfect. I've really done really well. If you're feeling that this morning, you should be scared. <laughs> I'm not saying like, it's wrong to look back and thought, man, God really grew me this past decade. It's been amazing. That's not a bad thing. But if you feel like you've arrived, Paul says it's actually a sign of immaturity. <laughs> a sign of maturity is, man, the more I, I mature in Christ, the more I realize that I'm not even close to being like him. It's kind of like I, I've told college students before, um, when you graduate college, Something good happened if when you graduate, you realize how little you know about life. Does that make sense? If you graduate, you're like, well, now I have my degree. What else is there to learn in life? Like, then you've missed something along the way. The more you grow, the more you should realize you lack. What's encouraging to me is he says, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So here's this, I don't know how, it's like a catch of saying, be mature, realize you're not there yet. Then it's like the, the, grace, um, the grace effect. <laughs> Even in those areas where you feel like you've arrived and you're going to start coasting, in God's grace, he's going to show you where you lack. So he says, if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So I don't have to go into OCD mode. I'm like, oh, man, what am I missing? Where am I not perfect? Where am I not just like Christ? I want to think about those things. I don't have to obsess because God will reveal it to me. <laughs> He's going to show me along the way where, hey, if you could tap me on the shoulder lovingly and say, hey, son, you could grow in this area. I want you to be more like me in this area. And then he finishes, I think, this natural unit, this section, saying, only let us hold true to what we have attained. Translation, don't go backwards in your walk. <laughs> There's a Ben Rector song. He says, um, standing still isn't easy when the world's moving backwards. <laughs> right? It's like being, we're, we're constantly in this lazy river, it's, and it's like we're trying to swim upstream. It's difficult to go backwards in a lazy river. Well, a good lazy river. <laughs> it says, don't go backwards. Don't drift. Don't go back to your old ways. As you've made progress in your walk with Christ, keep digging. Keep pressing on. 
So, I think this is a one-point passage, one-point message. What should we do when we realize we're not where we should be? We're, we don't know Christ like we should. We're not as far in our relationship with him as we need to be. What should we do? If we're going to follow Paul's example, we should press on. <laughs> we should push. Keep digging. You don't just realize that you're not there yet and throw in the towel and say, well, better luck next year. <laughs> no, dig press on to know him more. Maybe to give some examples, it, even if you're hiking and you haven't got to that beautiful clearing yet, he says, keep digging. Even though your legs are burning, you got chicken legs like Brandon, keep pushing, keep digging to know him more. He's worth it. If, even if you feel like the weight isn't budging, it's not moving at all, keep pushing. He's worth it. Even if you feel like you're not getting anywhere and learning that formula or that new uh, choreography or learning that new, um, like uh, reading the book, you're not getting anywhere, you don't feel like you're understanding it yet, keep digging, keep pushing. Don't give up just because it's difficult or because you're not where you think you should be. Keep pushing, keep pressing on. Unfortunately, I think... <laughs> There's maybe a different kind of metaphor that would describe most of our walks with Christ. I had a buddy in a seminary. His name was Keith. Um, and I remember one, uh, it was a Saturday. It didn't really matter. But we were, me and Keith and this guy named Nick were uh, in the gym together, kind of doing our own thing. But um, Keith was on one side of the gym. And from his direction, I kept hearing this, uh, I kept hearing this kind of, like plastic sound in between his sets. That sounds more like candy cane, sorry. But anyways, um, this plastic sound in between sets. So after about three or four minutes, I walked over to Keith. I was like, hey, dude, what is that noise over here? What are you doing? And Keith was sitting on those, one of those ab machines. You know what I'm talking about where the, the bars are back here and you lean like this? And in between his ab sets, he was eating a Snickers bar. <laughs> and, so, and I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know. It just tastes good. I'm like... Why are you even here, man? <laughs> like, which actually is kind of my hero. It's kind of inspiring, right? Eat Snickers in between your absets. Um, but I think, unfortunately, that's more of a depiction of our Christian life. Of like, we're kind of putting in a little effort, but we're kind of at the same time like, I don't know, this tastes good too. We're eating our Snickers bar, right? And it's like we're kind of pushing, we're kind of digging, but we're also not really trying. I know this is dangerous, but it's a not rhetorical question. Um, why do you think, first of all, do you, are you tracking with me? Do you get what I'm saying? Okay. Why do you think, and, and there's like a billion reasons really, but if we could just have a quick conversation, why do you think we often have more of the Keith mindset in our Christian walk of Snickers bar while we do our sets kind of halfway? <laughs> Um, than really pressing on and digging in. What makes us prone to that kind of lazy lifestyle? Comfort zone? Absolutely. I heard somebody over here. Lazy? Oh, easy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. As a side note, I should give Keith uh, credit. Keith was way bigger and way more ripped than me, so maybe the secret for all of us is Snickers bars, right? <laughs> maybe that's the secret. Um, but yeah, it was easy. It's easy to eat Snickers, right, and kind of Halfway do things. Grace? Who, where does that come from? Yes, we, we can maybe tend to abuse grace or misunderstand grace, right? 
And Paul says in Romans, um, just because like, grace, if, if you think grace means you can live however you want, then you don't get grace, right? But we tend to abuse it. Snickers are delicious. Sin can be fun. Laziness, taking the easy way, can be fun, right? Anybody else? Lack of discipline, for sure. Absolutely. Bad habits. Yeah, you said habits. You have the, the wrong habits or just not having a habit of spending time with God or pressing on, right? Guilt. Where'd that come from? Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Point her out. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to unpack some of these I, for sure. I, I think, um, man, what was it? Uh, Matt Chandler listened to a sermon a while back. And he said, um, sorry, wasn't planned, obviously. If you, if you feel like God is mad at you all the time, then why would you want to spend time with him? Right? Like if my wife, if I feel like Lauren's mad at me, then I'm, I'm going to avoid her, right? Which she's not. Hey. <laughs> um, see, a guilt would drive us from pressing on to know him more. Which, by the way, this is, on that note, this is not... What Paul's not doing this morning, it's not a drive-by guilting. <laughs> like, feel bad, press on to know Jesus more. No, it's not a drive-by guilting. It's an invitation, right? If you read, uh, again, 3, 1 through 11, he's saying, man, it's so worth knowing Christ. It's the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. He says nothing compares to knowing Jesus. So this is not, you dirty little sinners, you should press on more. No, it's an invitation to know the worth of Jesus so, hey, I, wholeheart- I appreciate you saying guilt because I wholeheartedly get that and experience that. And that's why I hope I, I wanted to key in on that because all of us struggle with that. And I think Paul, if he was here, he would flip that on his head and say, guys, it's not a guilting. It's an invitation to a better reality <laughs> of knowing Christ. Wagner, you, you, uh, not to call you by name, sorry, but you said easy to just coast. I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly <clears throat> sorry, get choked up. <laughs> um, I agree, man. Like, it's easy Sunday morning. It's like, yeah, I'm going to pursue Christ. But then later, you, you're at the house, and you turn on the TV, and you're like, football. <laughs> and you start kind of coasting. Some good games, by the way, yesterday. Yes, it's easy to coast. And, and I think um, we're lazy and lack of discipline. We, we like to choose those things, um, But in reality, all things that are really worth something take some effort, right? They come at a cost. Good food comes at a cost. Whether it be literally like you paying money for it or taking the time to cook it, good things, getting in good shape comes at a cost. It's no different with our walk with Christ. I'm gonna dig into that a little bit more here in a second, but um, I think also we can, we, let's be real, we can say it's boring. And sometimes it does feel boring. I'm going to be real with you. Sometimes I sit down in the morning to read and I'm like, I can think of a billion, maybe not a billion, but a lot of other things that I might want to do or that are like nagging for trying to get my attention. But let's be honest. Saying that, man, God's kind of boring. I'm not really getting much out of this. That would be like the equivalent of someone standing and looking at the Rocky Mountain. That's the Rockies, by the way. And looking at the Rockies and being like, yeah, it's okay. It's kind of boring. You might get slapped, right? 
What is wrong with you? Like, it's beautiful. And even if you were, like, I think most of us, what we do to, to continue this metaphor, we stand at a distance from the Rocky, or sorry, stand at a distance from God, and we're like, I don't know, he's pretty cool, he's kind of satisfying. And the reality is if we always look from a distance, it really may not be, God really may not seem that exciting or fulfilling. But just like the Rockies, if you go and hike around and dig deep and press on to get into the heart of the Rockies, man, it's overwhelming, right? Same thing with God. Stand at a distance, I still think he's pretty amazing. <laughs> at a distance, you might, ah, kind of bored, I don't know. Man, the more you dig into the heart of God and actually put in some effort into hiking around in the heart of God, it'll blow your mind. Does that make sense? If you say it's boring, it's probably because you're not trying. <laughs> Someone who goes to the Rockies and says they're boring, they've not really experienced the Rockies. There's one I, I don't want to forget, sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe the most obvious. Priorities, right? I think a big reason so many of us aren't pressing on to know Christ more is because, yeah, there are so many other things that are just easier to do or they provide instant gratification, right? Turn on, uh, pull up Instagram or turn on the TV or whatever. Instant gratification. And so we don't make pressing on to know Christ a priority. There's this song by a guy named uh, Jonathan McReynolds. I, I encourage you. It's called Make Room. I encourage you to, to check it out. Super convicting. Um, he said, this is uh, from his song, Make Room. It's kind of a confession of the song. I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry. <laughs> It'd be really funny if I did. I find space for what I treasure. I make time for what I want. By the way, that's true, right? Man, I don't have time to spend with God. Liar. <laughs> you do. You're just using it somewhere else. I can point the finger at me, by the way, just so you know. He says, I choose my priorities, and Jesus, you're my number one. Jesus, you're my number one. So I will make room for you. I will prepare for two. So you don't feel that you can't live here. Please live in me. And then he goes on to kind of the bridge. And he says, move whatever you need to over. Move it away. Whether it be family, Facebook, friends, or Instagram, move it over. That's pretty convicting. <laughs> Just to confess, God, I realize I'm, I treasure, I make room for what I treasure and for what I want. So if I'm not making room for you, then clearly I don't treasure you like I say I do. But again, this is not a guilting. It's an invitation to know the creator of the universe who died for you. So press on, so push to know him more. Now, if you're, if you're here this morning, you're like, bro, sounds good. Like, yeah, I'm a believer. I, I do. I want to know Christ more. I want to press on to know him a little more. But what in the world does that look like? <laughs> I want to help take a few minutes to help us think through that. I don't want a sermon to ever just be hype and like, yeah, press on. How do you do that? I have no idea. <laughs> but give you some encouragement, some simple ways to push, to press on, to know Christ more. And so um, we're going to put those on the screen one at a time. The first one is to dig deep or to yeah, dig deep. And what I'm referring to here is the Bible, to digging in to Scripture. <laughs> so many of us take this... Um, 
uh, tone, not bulk attitude towards the Bible. We're like, I'm, I'm going for tone, not going for bulk. And so it's like going to the gym and spending an hour just lifting some one pound weights. And you're like, I don't know why I'm not getting any stronger or any more swole. Like, you're like, well, bro, you should dig a little deeper. You should try a little harder. I, man, I, I want to say this lovingly because anything's better than nothing. But if you're just doing like a, a verse of the day or every now and then I flip open and read for like 30 seconds, um, man, you're not going to notice a difference in your life. That's like someone going to the gym once a month <clears throat> for 10 minutes and be like, man, I don't know why nothing's happening to my physique. We'd be like, bro, you got to try harder. Like, dig deeper. <laughs> um, I'm going to be available after the service. There's no small groups today. And so <clears throat> after the service, if you would just like some, some thoughts, some input on, man, how do I dig deep? Where, what are some resources? Where do I start? I would love to talk with you. And I think that's even for mature Christians that don't think, oh, it's only for new baby believers. No, that's for, for anybody and everybody. There's all, we could always be learning and growing in our uh, digging in to Scripture. So the first thing is dig deep. The second one is, <clears throat> excuse me, struggling here, have dinner. What in the world does that mean? <laughs> Have dinner. There's a great book, super encourage you to read it, um, called a, a Praying Life by Paul Miller. A Praying Life by Paul Miller. And uh, in that book, he talks about prayer, obviously. And he says that too many of us view prayer as like this checklist or just like a, a business transaction conversation. But really, a healthy prayer life is like having dinner with a close friend. <laughs> so I want to encourage you to think about your prayer life as sitting down to have dinner or breakfast or coffee, whatever it is, with God. And let the conversation flow. If you're not sure what to say, like, it's okay. Just sit there in God's presence. Have dinner. Talk with God. Another really, hopefully, uh, helpful tool in that book, A Praying Life, he talks about prayer cards versus a prayer list. I've been trying this for about a month now and super love it. Um, and so, what it is, is rather than keeping, by the way, there's nothing wrong with a prayer list, but rather than keeping a, a list of prayers that's just huge and long and random, have prayer cards. So it can, like I have them on my iPad, you could do it on your phone, whatever. Um, but the idea is that, so on this one note, or whether it be on a notepad, but on this one note, he does, a, uh, Paul Miller does it on index cards, but you have the person's name, or even it could be like a thing, like work, um, and then a few items you're praying for, with some verses. So like for our son, Haddon, I have a note on my iPad that says Haddon, and I have a few prayers. Um, <laughs> like one of them is uh, submissiveness. <laughs> and, so, um, and there's a verse there beside it, right? Um, I want him to be uh, a godly leader. And so I might, uh, I don't think I have a verse for that one yet. But um, you get where I'm going with that? Uh, or for... I have, again, for my world, I have a preaching card, excuse me, a prayer card called preaching. And I have some verses there about the kind of preacher I want to be that edifies Christ. Does that make sense? And what's amazing about it is it keeps your prayers a little bit more focused and you're praying for specific things with Scripture. So I highly encourage you to check that out. If you're really interested, get the book, and he really outlines those prayer cards. So dig deep, have dinner. The third one is link arms, link together. So if you're going to press on, if you're going to push, if you're going to do the difficult work of, man, I want to know Christ more, I want to be more like him, then you got to do it in community. 
You need people around you. I don't think I have to unpack that for, for real long, but you need people to walk with you, to encourage you, to hold you accountable, to maybe point out things in your life where, hey, man, you're growing here. I'm, I'm pumped for you. Or, dude, hey, what are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> maybe you need to push a little harder here. Like, why do you keep going back to that same sin? You need to link arms with other believers. The fourth one is, I can't remember, thank you, get uncomfortable. Yes, I like this one. Get uncomfortable. Uh, Jack Louder, uh, unfortunately, talked me into uh, trying CrossFit with him. I've done it for like two weeks now, and I haven't died, so that's good. Um, but on Friday at the workout, our coach, Tim, uh, I, I stopped. They're all working out. Actually, I think most of them were finished, and I wasn't done yet because I'm slow. But I finished the workout. I dropped the bar, and I looked at our coach, Tim. And I was like, bro, I'm so out of shape. This is terrible. And he said, that's kind of the whole point. <laughs> to get you uncomfortable, to push you. I'm like, oh, you're right. And I picked the bar back up, right? <laughs> Holy Spirit. <laughs> if, you're, if you're never uncomfortable in your Christian faith, it, it probably is a good sign that you're not pushing, that you're not pressing on. I think about how often I've thought about like sharing the gospel with somebody. Oh, I need to go. I need to bring up Jesus with them. I, mean, I, need, I could ask to pray for them. And then I'm like, oh, man, that's going to be weird. I'm going to be uncomfortable. That's kind of the point. And by the way, it's not going to be as weird as you think, by the way. But the point is to stretch yourself, to grow, to give financially even when it hurts, to share the gospel even when you feel uncomfortable, to keep digging into Scripture when you feel like you're not getting anywhere. When you get uncomfortable, that's when you start growing. You with me? It goes back to, I appreciate what Wagner said about being easy. Like, it's easy to eat Snickers bars, but they're not good for you, right? <laughs> so get uncomfortable. Do the hard things. That's part of pressing on. And the last one, number five, is embrace grace. Embrace grace. While we can abuse grace, appreciate her saying that earlier, the reality is if you forget about the grace and forgiveness of God, you're going to give up super quick. I love in Philippians 2, I think it's verse uh, 13, says that it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then over in, in chapter one, verse six, he says that what he started in you, he's going to finish. This goes back to the idea of the upward call of God. So it's not that God's over here, psh, hope you figure it out, it's a do-it-yourself project. No, it's that God is saying, hey, I want you to know me. I want you to be like me. Let's go. I'm gonna walk alongside you. It's him working in and through us to know him and to be like him. So this means when you fall, when you mess up, when you realize, again, you're not where you should be, you're struggling with that same sin, you're not worshiping as wholeheartedly as you want to be, don't run from Jesus, run to Jesus. <laughs> Embrace grace. How different would your life be come December 29th of 2029, that sounds so weird to say. <laughs> How different would your life be if you'll just do these five things? I got pretty pumped thinking about this sermon when I thought about, man, if, what if as a church, we really started pressing on, we really started pushing to know Christ more? And it's not this like, I love Josh Wilson's song, Dream Small, because it's not this big like, I'm going to pursue Christ. No, it's the daily 
doing these things, the daily pressing on to know him more. How different would your life look in a decade? I think it's important to, to emphasize in a decade because pressing on, pushing to know Christ more is a process. <laughs> it's not an overnight thing. Most worthwhile things take a long time to develop, to happen, to be able to see the fruit. When I think about this idea of pressing on, pushing to know Christ more, spiritual disciplines, a passage that always comes to mind is Psalm chapter 1. That one who delights in God's word, meditates on it day and night, is like a tree planted by streams of living water, which yields its fruit in season. And it wasn't until recently that the light came on. A tree is not big and beautiful and fruitful overnight. We were uh, back in Florida a week ago, um, see family for Christmas, and actually, as we were, one of the times we were leaving uh, Lauren's parents' house, there's this huge tree in the backyard. I think it's an oak tree, maybe. It's a huge tree. Like, I don't know if there's a tree in Lubbock this big. You know what I'm saying? It's a big tree. <laughs> and she said that um, she remembers growing up as a little girl, and the limb, because now the limb's like, I, the lowest limb is probably the top of that, whatever, the railing on, up, yeah, the lower ceiling over here. That's maybe the, the lowest limb. She said she remembers as a little girl, a, a, like a tree swing being on those lower limbs, and it really wasn't a very big tree at all. But over 34 years, <laughs> that tree has grown, and it's huge. And, and, and I look at it, and all I see is this big tree, and I think, and I know, while well, I know how trees grow, it's easy for me to look at that tree and just be like, oh man, it's just always been a big tree. But she has seen it grow over time. It's a process. So it's the same thing with pressing on to know Christ more. It's a process. Some of you look at people in your life, and you're like, man, they just know Christ so well. I wish I could be like them. And what you don't see is the millions of little decisions they, they've made day after day to know Christ and to be more like him. And you can look at them like, man, they've just always been that way. It's just easy for them. And they would argue, no, it's been a daily process over and over of pressing on, of pushing to know Christ more. And in the end, as you daily meditate on God's word and delight in his word, how cool it would be if a decade from now we look at all the beautiful trees that have been planted and been growing in Christ because they've been pressing on. Finish with this. Paul David Tripp says, your character, or you could even say your relationship with Christ, your, your knowing him and being like him, isn't created by a few big life-changing decisions, but rather by 1,000 little decisions you make on a daily basis. Do the small but difficult things. Press on. If you're not a believer here this morning, I just want to encourage you with the fact that Jesus Christ, the creator of the world, wants to have a relationship with you and for you to, to know him and to grow in him. And you can come into a relationship with him by just simply, it's not easy, but it's simple, <laughs> turning from your sin, admitting that you're a sinner, admitting that, 
and confessing that you believe Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world, and turning to him for salvation. Say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. And when you do that, you begin a relationship with him, and it's the best thing that could ever happen to you. If you are a believer this morning, I really hope that you're not walking away going, oh, man, I should be better. I hope that you're walking away going, man, Christ wants me to know him. He wants me to be like him, and he's going to help me be like him, and he's going to help me know him. So because of that, I'm going to press on. And I want you, as we sing in a second, if you're a Christian, I want you to kind of think about and pray as we're singing, God, how do I need to press on? Like starting today and tomorrow. We'll worry about a decade later. But because I care about the end of the decade, how today and tomorrow can I press on? Can I push to know you more? I'll be back in the back, and Jack will be back over here at one of our other pastors. Um, and if you have a question or would like to pray with one of us, maybe we'd love to do that as we sing this song. Y'all pray with me. Jesus, thank you for the fact that you have grabbed a hold of us. You've made us your own. <laughs> and so God, because of that, help us to press on, to push, to know you more. Lord, I pray that as we, as we sing this song, we would be um, maybe just reminded and encouraged of the gospel and that it would compel us to, to want to pursue you. Well, I pray even if, the, if there's someone that needs to talk to Jack or I during this song, that you give them the boldness to do that. Or even after the service, if, if folks um, could benefit from, from talking about what it means to dig into Scripture and how to go about that, I pray that they would have the courage to stick around and Lord, realize that anything we can do to know you more, to, to experience you more, to be more like you, is totally worth doing. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. I pray that as we sing, um, May you just work in our hearts. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of the venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to the venue podcast.